1: Hello, happy new year and after a festive break, welcome back to the first Indie Football Podcast of 2020. I'm joined by Chief Football Writer Miguel Delaney, columnist Tony Evans and Sports Editor Ben Burrows and this week we are talking transfers as the January window swings wide open for the month. Which sides need to strengthen, which players will be on the move and what are the latest rumours on the grapevine? Okay, let's start with Manchester United, seeing as though they have been in the news a lot this week. Uh, The latest from them this morning is that they apparently have no desire to sign Tottenham's Christian Eriksen, a player who would greatly improve their team. Uh, And last week, they made it very clear that they weren't interested in signing Minamino either after he signed for Liverpool. Uh, Miguel, they've been very loud about the players they don't want to sign, but what sort of player do you think they do need to sign this January?
2: Well, the number one target I've heard is James Madison. I suppose that's not new news, really. But there's obviously a realisation that he's almost impossible to get in January and he's going, to co- he's going to be very difficult in the summer, given lesser ones, a lot more than they wanted for Maguire and probably well over £100 million. Um, But And I, I also heard that, I mean, because at the moment, above anything, they're crying out for midfield creativity. They badly need it in the absence of Pogba. Uh, I think they've, they were investigating maybe going after Neves. He apparently has no interest, which sums up where they are at the moment. Uh, and because of all this... The last I heard was they're, they're even investigating the possibility of a few loan signings, which is a really curious situation to be in. But there is a, a certain rationale to it. And that's both in midfield, apparently, and even in defence because of the injuries to um,
1: to Maguire. Do you think the Eriksen kind of denial is a case of United saving face? Because, I mean, if they're going after players like Madison and there's been a few rumours about people like Grealish and, you know, they need that sort of midfielder, well, Eriksen is that.
2: Yeah, uh, and I mean, there were negotiations in the summer Prior to that, well, I think I think those negotiations in the summer were a consequence of his camp getting a bit desperate because they were they were struggling for a move at a time. Prior to that, he'd outright rejected them, and still his his ideal. I mean, the the reason he's leaving Spurs isn't so much trophies or money. Well, obviously those are two massive concerns, <laughs> 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 but, but I think he, he also legitimately wants to kind of change a lifestyle, and a change of lifestyle isn't going up to Manchester for. More money, but less chance of trophies.
1: It's Manchester United, so they've obviously been linked with every single player in the world. They've been linked with Donny van der Beek, Sean Longstaff, Emory Chan, Jadon Sancho. The list goes on. Tony, what sort of player do you think they, they most need?
0: Whoa, oh, where'd you start? Um strikers, creative midfielders, a couple of defenders, <laughs> uh probably a new chief executive and new owners. Um, they're in a mess, they're in an absolute mess. I mean, you know, Emre Shean, if that's if, if he's the answer to the question, you you know it's well you're asking Completely the wrong one, aren't you? I mean, they've got uh, they they do need help almost everywhere. I mean, probably what would make sense is if they tried to mend some bridges with Pogba and Riola and and move forwards with some of the players they've got. But um, you know, they, they they they're in that pos- position. And Woodward said that um, that you know the the results didn't really have a negative impact on their commercial and financial performances. And that's true to a certain extent. That'll be true for like two years, three years, maybe. You might even get five out of it. But at some point, it really does begin to bite, and they're getting themselves into a situation where they do have money to spend. They've got an awful lot of money to spend, and United is one of the few clubs that could fix the problems in one transfer window, two at the most. But they're in a situation where players no longer want to go there because they don't see uh, they don't see success down line and, and and that's the situation. And, and and I mean, to be honest, almost anyone on the list, even Emre Shan, would probably improve them.
1: <laughs> and that's that's a terrible indictment. They've obviously got the money to go out and, and fix the problems they've got. Ben, how involved do you think Solskjaer really is in these decisions, given that his position is already pretty precarious and given the, the situation with Woodward and the control he has?
3: So both publicly and privately, they'll United will always tell you that Solskjaer has his say and he'll pick the players he wants. I think you can certainly see a stamp of the kind of player it would appear that is a Solskjaer player in the players they signed in the summer. I think on the face of it, Aaron Wambasaka, Harry Maguire and Daniel James are the kind of three signings that they do need to buy. Um, obviously, as better teams have proven, you need two or three windows stacked together rather than just one. Um, I mean, the... The problem is, as we'll come on to with every club, is that good teams don't buy players in January, as a general rule, because of the difficulties that are obvious, that teams like Leicester, why would they sell any players to anybody else? Because they're doing just fine on their own. I think it's not to say it's impossible. Obviously, United signed Nemanja Vidic and Patrice Evra once upon a time, so it is doable. But yeah, as a general rule, good teams don't buy players this time of year because they've either bought the right players in the summer, so they don't need any more, or they're already a in pretty good shape so they don't have to go and rush the January sales.
1: Miguel, how optimistic are you if they make a, a kind of a couple of canny loan signings? Do you think that can maybe bridge the six-point gap with Chelsea and see him sneak into the Champions League or is it all a bit beyond that now?
2: No, I think they actually can because it's such a uncertain season and it seems everyone by Liverpool and Leicester who are probably going to max it out and I actually do think Leicester will drop away as well but everyone's kind of underperforming to a relative degree Um yeah, I think I think it's up for grabs yeah and I think particularly in a bit of creativity in midfield or the return of Pogba I suppose or someone to compliment him and yeah they've got a fighting chance because they've had quite a str- I mean as bad as everything is given what Manchester United are the season has never once really kind of bottomed out yet they've just been they've had this pattern of two or three games okay two or three games bad and just this endless kind of loop and like, even this week they're lucky that they're playing Norwich on Saturday rather than Liverpool the following week, if those fixtures were reversed, then you could really see it unravelling. Now, I suppose the flip side to that is, if they drop points against Norwich, Jesus. Um, Hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's not... see As bad as everything looks, and as bad as everything is, it's still not... This season, this individual season, isn't quite a doomsday.
1: Okay. Uh, One club who got their business done quite early, and are probably unlikely to sign anybody else at this point, is Liverpool. Uh, Tony, you watched Liverpool's kids beating Everton last week. Uh, what did you make of Minamino? Obviously, it was his debut and playing the midfield.
0: Yeah, he looks if like he's got something about him, doesn't he? That looks if like he'll fit into that team, and they've got the luxury of being able to give him some bedding in time, and you know, play him against the kids, playing with the kids, and you know, sort of cup games or, or against Everton. You know, it's uh, you know, you know the easy games. I mean, oh, yeah. We 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 just as an aside, we just. Must mention Everton, really. That Liverpool have got into their heads so badly. You know, will they ever get out again? I mean, it felt like it felt like something was over there, didn't it? You know, yeah. perhaps they should have left Anfield, gone back to Goodison, knocked it down, salted the earth, and <laughs> pretended they never existed. Is
2: this you know, is this the worst case of one club getting into another club's mind? They can think of. I mean, it even feels worse than than City against United. I, I, prior to the takeover, and even mm. at the start of the takeover, yeah. do, do you remember a City had that spell where he, uh, it was kind of between 08 and twenty ten, where you know it beat them with a series of last minute winners? Yeah, mm. um, and, and this actually feels worse than that even.
0: Yeah, oh, without a doubt, every trip. To Anfield brings them more agony and angst, doesn't it? Mm. You know to define new ways to get peace, and 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 this this time it was just a sheer capitulation, no fight or anything. And I, I I think, I think this is a low. They've got to try and they've got to try and come back from there. And Ancelotti, you could see him on the sidelines, and he was thinking, "Why have I done this? What see, am but, I doing here?" What is
2: this a bigger thing about both the club and the, the appointment? that... Uh, is, is Ancelotti really the person, whatever about the wider debate about his career, is he really the sort of personality manager to be kind of giving a club this drive or to kind of, you know, fostering a sense of mission or identity about them?
0: Well, again, I've been saying it for, for weeks and weeks, and we all know Ancelotti, he's a great fella. Yeah. He, you know, he's a you know, sort of. When good, he was at Chelsea, that. he was brilliant company. But. He, you know, he's not he he's got perspective in life. He you know, he he has a life outside. Football, he he enjoys you know, he enjoys going out, he enjoys good conversation. He's not he's not going to be sitting at his computer and on the phone all day, rebuilding Everton. He's not a 24 7 manager. You know, he, he for once a better phrase, he'll clock off at five. You know, and, and they don't need clocking off at five. Yeah, yeah. They need medical help on a twenty four hour basis in intensive care.
1: <laughs> Sticking with that game, Tony, can you see any of those younger Liverpool players keeping a first team role given that you know the FA Cup will start getting more difficult. The Carabao Cup's winding up. Club World Cups out the way. Can you see any any of those kids staying in the mix?
0: Well, well, I think so. I think um, given that well, the league will be won by I don't know. I think it's a week on Tuesday. They can it be at Goodison. The, the presentation. No, I mean, but the, the the league looks as if it could well be won early, and then Klopp will have the uh, you know he'll have the ability to rotate yeah. the side and to to bring people through. I mean, a lot of them are at that stage in the development where they need six or seven games in the first team and then look next year to build it up, you know, come mm. on the substitutes, get mm. 20 get twenty minutes you know, on games that are over and ease themselves in. So yeah, I can see that happening. I can see that's something that he'll want to do. And so I think, you know, there is, I mean, it may not look so bad on Everton by the end of the season when we've seen the kids play a bit more. I mean, that Lalana fella, you know, he might get a <laughs> few more minutes.
1: Um, similar to... Uh... So United, really, obviously, it's it's January, it's Liverpool, so they've been linked with just about every player going. There's been all the and Mbappe crap and, and stories like that. Ben, do you think Liverpool still need to strengthen? Do you think to be a kind of truly elite club, they need to be looking at the positions they're weakest in and going out and buying players, even though they're walking every tournament they play in?
3: I think there's a tendency to always, when you talk about something like this, talking about truly great teams, to always sort of hark back to Ferguson. But there's a reason for that. And I think he would tell you that 100% yes, there's never your team's never done. So if you look at the United team he had with Rooney, Ronaldo, he, he went and got Tevez and Berbatov, even though on the face of it didn't need them, but at times they did. And I think if you're Liverpool now, I think it really is the time to strike. You've never been a, a better prospect for a player or um, in terms of an environment you go and want to play in. Like if Klopp's going to be there for another couple of years, then you want to go and play for him. You want to go and play for this club that play such good football in, in front of that crowd. I think they have to strike while the iron's hot and get, go and find an, another addition. I think the one of the flaws of the previous regimes at Liverpool was that they they tended to sort of buy squad players to make the squad better. Mm. Whereas you've seen what the benefit of this current um, hierarchy has been, let's go and buy a player who's going to be good for the first team and then that makes everything better. So Alisson and Van Dijk. I mean, I don't know, I haven't, I haven't got any names especially, but if you could find... A box to box midfielder, a hundred million pound one, and just drop him in there and just improve it again. Just keep just keep pushing on. I mean, it's, the sky's the limit for it. It's basically a, a club and a fan base who are getting everything they want right now. So why not?
0: I, I agree with Ben. I think there's an even uh, bigger reason for them to do it. Is because and, and in a sense of Minamino they've started that process. We know that the creative hub of this team are the full-backs. You We're know, getting forward. And it's kind of rendered the midfield, if not redundant. In, it's given a different role to it where they're there to give balance and to protect the defence, you know, they're not, you know, traditionally you think of midfielders getting forward, getting at the edge of the box and getting on the end of, you know, you, you'd want, well, you know, you think if you get eight goals from all your midfielders a year, you know, you and Liverpool's midfield get nowhere near that, you know, it's uh, over the last couple of years. But at some point someone's going to work out how to stop those two backs. you know, and an injury to one of them does disrupt it. So the the, the focus of the, the, the creativity in the team is going to switch. And I think at some point in the next two years, certainly in the next two years, it'll have to switch back to the midfield. And then, you know, Minamino's come in. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm a little bit concerned. Uh, you know, he looks good. But, you know, you've you've got to see whether he can cope physically with the Premier League. I mean, you know, Cater still waiting for him to show what he can do. Again, struggle, has struggled physically. But you've got these players who could playing a more traditional type of midfield, getting forward, getting on the end, and at some point, they're going to have to do that because either at home or in Europe, someone's going to work them out. They've got to because they can't carry on doing the same thing forever.
1: Yeah, I suppose one of the biggest shrimps as well is that you look at the midfield and you naturally think, okay, that's maybe the area to pitch where they could sign somebody but then that's also where they've got so many talented young players come through, I mean Curtis Jones had a fantastic game, scored that fantastic goal he's the exact sort of person you'd want to slot in there and give a few minutes to
0: Well exactly and that's one of the things towards the end of the season if indeed the title is wrapped up at a relatively early stage, I think we'll see that process and we'll see them testing out some of the young players who've come through the ranks to see whether they're
1: going to be able to make the step up Okay, time for a quick break. Uh, when we get back, we're going to be talking about some of, the, some of the London clubs as well as the best players in Europe currently looking to move. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Hello and welcome back to the Indie Football Podcast. This week we are talking all about transfers and let's start the second half of the pod by focusing on North London. So Tottenham don't have a particularly good record in the January window but due to a mixture of poor form and serious injury they're probably one of the clubs that need to strengthen the most this month. Uh, Miguel, what would you say is the latest on Harry Kane who's obviously out injured and what do you know about the club's attempts to maybe replace him in the next few weeks and months?
2: Uh, There are a few murmurs that... Kane's injury could be worse than anticipated Uh, initially it was four to six weeks Uh, I think there is a fear from some that could be a bit longer I don't know if it's the whole season yet and again it's no more than murmurs but it'll be interesting to see what Mourinho says about that on Friday Um, and I suppose much of their business will depend on that if if it's four to six weeks they can probably weather it if it's longer then you think especially with the Champions League and trying to get back into the Champions League they need to sign someone Um, and this is already a situation where Mourinho uh, pretty much wants an entire new back four, uh, which, which he, I think he accepted. He's not going to get this January, uh, but I mean you would this suddenly all too quickly because it hasn't actually been the smoothest start for Mourinho at Spurs uh, after that first win or so. There's all these kind of the pieces are already being uh, um, put down for all these potential flashpoints, and particularly with
0: Levy himself. Mm. Oh, well, yeah, because he's come in, and he said to Daniel Levy, he said to him, he said, you know what, yeah, it's a problem of management. You can win with these players. Yeah, the squad's great. And then suddenly you find out it's not. <laughs> but, um, and, you know, so there the, the are big issues. And, uh, and obviously, you know, we, we've we've talked about getting cover for Harry Kane for how long, five years now, mm-hmm. and, and still there's no cover
2: there
1: why did they let Lorente go that's what I can't understand last summer off and, him and Mourinho year. could do them yeah. Yeah, <laughs> more Mourinho than, that, more than it.
2: any other manager get M- it up to the big man
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean he, he, he suits the style
0: Mourinho yeah. can play and there, there are not many strikers out there on the market now that you could see coming in and doing an effective job and certainly not qualified to play in the Champions League so I, I mean and, and as Miguel said the, the, it's one of those over the course of the week the prognosis for Kane, and it is—it is the sort of whispers you hear, and 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 they can be—they can be a little exaggerated, you yeah. know how it works in football. But the prognosis seems to have been getting worse and worse. You know, it, it, it's um, so they—they they, they could have big problems. You know, the the back four looks slow and stale. The midfield, Mourinho hasn't got the balance right there yet. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think they can solve it in this transfer window. went on anyway. Leave, he'll wait till, like, I don't know, the, 20 minutes before it shuts, won't he, to make his move?
3: Well, that's the thing, right? It took them three months to sign a player they had in their pocket in Lo in June, and it took them a long time to get him. Ryan could still go as well, couldn't it? And could still go, and then Ryan Sessing on the same thing. So, and he's only just now been sort of, like, integrated into the team. So if it's going to take that long to get a new face... Up to speed for what Mourinho wants, then it's already going to be too late. So, as ever, it's a it's a difficult time to go and get players, and instead they're talking about the likes of Eriksson and Vertonghen and mm. whoever else where they're going to go. I think, I mean, looking at it as more casual, I think you've got to get, they have to get another right back in. I'd have thought, mm. especially with talk of Walker Peters going to Crystal Palace. I believe it's going to be hard to like Aurier has already proven to not be at the level required. I think other than that, other than that first game against West Ham. I uh, think they'd need help there, and like Mig said, I think they're, they're looking at, across the back four. You've got Danny Rose looks he's wanting to leave. Toby's only just signed a new contract, but you've got Sanchez isn't quite what Reno wants. Have Goalkeeper. Have you
1: been watching uh, for Tongan over Christmas as well? Hmm. I can't remember
3: like an elite level player dropping off the standard that quickly in the space of, what, two weeks? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you can't speak great for the coaching, I guess, is what you'd say about that, because, I mean, he is a quality player and has proven so, but it doesn't quite, quite appear to be working for him right now.
2: Well, this thing, actually, it's one of, one of Mourinho's supposed the first principles, organising the defence, and that's already something he's badly struggled with at Spurs. Mm. Now, to be fair, in his first season at United, 2016-17, the same did happen, and then it was only actually that game against Liverpool, remember the member famous, the famously hyped Red Monday. That was <laughs> one of the worst matches of all time. And then, I, that actually, I think, that was a nil-all, and it kind of triggered a little bit of a defensive run but it wasn't really. It wasn't really sorting out the defence. It was more the team played so negatively that they just stopped conceding space. Mm. Uh, um, that's pretty what the Spurs need to do. And actually, I'd say coming Saturday, actually, Spurs are going to put in the spawniest, most dug-in display. I yeah. think we'll see maybe since that night
1: four centre backs. Yeah, surely.
2: Yeah, because oh, it's, it's actually so long. There's so many things that Mourinho that kind of irk Mourinho. Klopp for one, uh, <laughs> Liverpool. Yeah, uh, and and also just probably more, more than anyone since Ferguson, the idea of someone of being someone else's roadkill just kind of personally offends him.
1: In Mourinho's defence, I'd say at least he's tried to play vaguely adventurous football. The only really defensive thing he's done is sticks to on the right wing. Like he hasn't really kind of dug in yet. But I mean, for Liverpool, you, you imagine that's what well, we have I, to do.
0: I think we're going to see it. We really are going to see it very very soon. <laughs> And uh, let's face it, the only way I think Tottenham have any chance of getting back in the top four is go back to first principles, stop conceding, mm. and then start worrying about Nick and one at the other end.
1: OK, uh, Arsenal are another club who have been linked to numerous players this window. Um, I googled them just before coming into the studio, and the top story was a report on how they have made a shock bid for Edinson Cavani. Which is most likely bollocks. Uh, <laughs> Miguel, are we expecting much movement from them this month? No, they have no money. <laughs> yes. And No money and a, and a minibus
0: full of players that they need to unload? Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. Who, and who no one's going to be paying much money for. Hmm. Baro Bamiyang, yeah. <laughs> who's now, according to a teddy the other night, that's end of story there. You know,
1: he, he did nice programme notes,
2: so that's that. Wow.
1: <laughs> Can we see them doing a kind of
3: uniting focusing on loans? I guess possibly. I mean that's you would what they did last. You would feel like yeah, that's the only sort of avenue they've got. I think, yeah. I mean I would argue the the biggest problem is trying to get that bloated squad down. I think exactly what Tony said. I think you you've looked at Arteta's early successes have been players like Reese Nelson. Um, build around that. But like there's so many there who are taking far too many wages for far too little on the pitch. I think that's got to be priority one, sort of get it down to the the bare bones of what you want it to be and then build upwards from there. But adding more into that room as it is, I don't think so as much as Arsenal fans on the internet want that to happen, I don't think that actually is the most practical use of resources right now.
0: And you know, and Cavani'd be brilliant. I mean, how many big names can they ruin?
1: <laughs> Cavani and Louise in the same team would be, oh. be something special. Um, ben, sticking with you and Chelsea, uh, obviously their transfer embargo has been lifted. Um, we understand they're in the market for a striker. What's
3: the latest going on at Stamford Bridge? It seems like the striker is the one they want. It's, it would appear that they're going to try and move on one of Giroud or Michi Batshuayi first before they do so. As if they're, they're now struggling with the sort of the change in expectation, I think, as overall as a club. It was, it was a bit of a free hit for Frank in the summer where... Anything you touched, it didn't really matter. They were tenth now, and that was they start with got transfer ban. So when they were second or third halfway through the season so far, it's like well actually no, you've got quite a good team there already. Now it's they've now got 150 million to spend in a window, so now the expectations are even higher. It's like well there's the list of excuses he can fall back on mm. for why they aren't quite where he needs them to be are getting less and less every week. I think yeah, again it's going to be they they're said to be interested in Moose Mount Dembélé at Leon. But trying to negotiate with Aulas in January is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. They obviously really like Chilwell, as about another dozen clubs in Europe do. I'm sure. Uh, I don't think that one's going to be happening in January either. Sort of, they are. There'll be one, maybe one striker through the door, but I mean, they bought Giroud this time last year. I can't imagine it's going to be anything much better than that, to be honest. Well, on the instructions
2: are uh, express instructions of Roman Abramovich. Apparently, the new policy is also a sign very young and promising. Um, I suppose it's a bit like the Liverpool approach. Mm. And preferably, I suppose, cheaper. But the, the market's actually kind of switched in that way and that the most expensive players are now those kind of 21 to 24 mm. that are performing because of their potential.
0: Well, uh. well, I love the way everyone's going down the Liverpool route uh, conveniently forgetting <laughs> that what made the difference to Liverpool becoming successful was paying big money for proven... You know, for proven stars in Van Dyke and Allison. You know, if we're, you go back to before that, and you know, you you know, you yet yeah, there, there were hits and misses. Obviously, Salah's a huge hit, but then you've got Emory Shana, Merkowitz. So yeah, let's go down that route. No, the route is to to buy players who'll improve your team, right? And don't think about the sell on
1: value. Yeah, it'd yeah, be felt- fascinating to see whether. Uh, how Lampard would manage a kind of random 78 million pound marquee signing because at the minute there's this perception of him as like, a little bit yeah. Southgate esque and sort of trusting in youth and avoiding the big senior personalities. as,
2: as in the the old which way. But here's Shevchenko, do yeah. something with him. Do, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, to, to, to be fair, you know, I mean, Lampard was part of that dressing room that effectively managed themselves. Yeah. you know, it's uh, they, you know, they they knew how to how to win, and if any if any big name come in there and basically challenge. Lampard's credentials you know if, if it comes to come on put your medals on the table well Frank's got the Masny's got the set
3: and he did get rid of Louise, I suppose being mm. a little bit harsh Yeah, he's kind of dealt with that very early on I think the thing is I think if you ask any right thinking Chelsea fan at least if they would where they thought they would be halfway through the Lampard here like the Lampard's first season I think they'd have bitten your hand off where they are now where mm. they've got mm. basically all the kids he's brought into the team have hit which is he could never have possibly envision that happening so really I mean obviously they've now got a war chest quote unquote to spend <laughs> but they don't really need a great deal you've got sort of like there's obviously areas areas of the team you would improve but there aren't many better midfields around than Jorginho, Kante and Kovacic the way they're playing you've got four really good wingers you've got a striker who's the second or third highest scoring player in the league you've got a couple of the centre back there's something you would possibly address maybe a keeper to challenge Kepa but it is, they really aren't far away, so I think I think they really should follow exactly what Tony said, that follow the Liverpool example in that go and buy one proven player rather than three, not so proven. I would say.
1: Okay, just before we head to here and villain of the week, I thought it would be interesting to talk about a couple of big uh, European names who have been in the uh, in the news a lot recently. Um, I suppose the big story of the morning, um, Thursday morning, is that Juventus could loan out sixty-eight million pounds summer signing Matias Delict after a pretty poor start to the season. Um, Miguel, have you been surprised that he's kind of struggled there this season? Um, maybe not that much actually, because he, he was raw when he
2: went, and more so than the young, it felt a little bit early for him mm. that he maybe could have. And given the school he grew up, he grew up in, I'm not sure Italian football was the perfect place for him to go because they've always had such a different view of defenders. And then within all that, you're going to a Sari team who are kind of just this Bizarre. Uh, well, not, biz- no, but I mean, I mean, in the sense that they're, they're, what he does is so different to the general style of Italian football. So there's all these little adjustments he has to make. So it didn't really feel like the right move for him.
3: He's still a kid as well, right? Yeah, yeah. He, mm-hmm. he
1: probably should have gone to Barca if he was going to make the move now. He's made a lot of like really bad individual mistakes that I've been quite surprised to see him make um, rather than like system mistakes. But yeah. Uh,
0: but he, yeah. Well, I, 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 I I've only seen him once and you know. In the flesh in um, in Turin, and what was interesting is he didn't seem to be getting the rest of the team didn't seem to be relating to him very well. He wasn't getting the help you yeah. might expect a young centre mm-hmm. half to. You know, there was a lot of like sort of sideline looks. I remember, you know, sort of raised eyebrows. It was almost as if you know he's come in. On a big fee with a big reputation to Italian football, to the home of defenders. Yeah. And like, you know, really, really? Yeah. You know, and there was that. So I wonder whether he would have been better going somewhere where the atmosphere was I hate to sound I say this because it sounds terrible, a bit more nurturing.
1: Yeah. The other big name that's cropped up a lot is Ousmane Dembele, um, who's still just twenty two, even though it feels like he's quite a bit older. Um, do you think it would be good for him to to leave Barcelona at this stage, Ben?
3: Feels like he needs a new start, doesn't it? That player who was so electric at Dortmund two and a half or two years ago—it seems a completely different thing now. It's—I mean—Barca, as we've talked about in this studio before, I think are another club who lack any kind of joined-up thinking. You've got them spending 145 million or whatever it was on Dembele, six months before trying to sign Neymar back, six months before now trying to sign other players. I think. Danny Olmo, another one, who they could have kept hold of and saved themselves the £40 they He's sort of been lost in the in the wash of all of that. I think Coutinho, another player, exactly the same, but at the wow, same time. Well. Exactly, yeah. So I think a new start in a, a different environment might be the best thing for him. I don't know where that is. I mean, you could do a lot worse than waiting to waiting for Sancho to go in the summer and then go back to where he were before because they've proven themselves to be excellent at, at making him as good as he can be, and also, yeah, develops players for the last 20 years, it's reason. The other big name in this window, Erling Haaland, it's exactly why he went mm-hmm. there, despite the fact that United didn't want him, after all, apparently. <laughs> um, it's exactly why he went there, and it's exactly why many, many players will follow them. I think, I think they are exactly what Tony said, a nurturing environment for a young player who will let you do the things you can do and then stop you doing the things you can't and sort of... Baby steps, and it was clearly would has proven since that their move to the new camp for them Bailey was a bit too much too soon. I think.
0: Well, well it's, it's interesting what their attitude is when you because when you talk to people from Dortmund, I mean, clearly they two think of sell on, you know, yeah. in the future, but it's not it's not as nakedly uh, obvious as the way Liverpool were thinking about it and the way Chelsea are taking that on. It's you know, it's like okay, let's get them. What what can they do for the team now? And if they're successful for the team, yeah. There'll come a time when we sell them on, because that's something like that. That's business. But it's not like, oh, we'll sign this fella, and there's some sell-on value. You know, it's uh, they, they want to, they want people who can get in the team, play and win.
1: Okay, thank you, gents. There's just enough time
3: left for a hero and villain of the week. Uh Ben, do you have a hero? Uh, we mentioned him once, but I'd say. Curtis Jones he did everything he could possibly do I mean it's exactly what you would dream of as a kid in your back garden scoring the winning goal in a derby against your biggest rival in front of all the fans to win an FA Cup match I mean doesn't get much better than that does it and Tony Villan
1: Well, I think going into
0: the transfer window, it wouldn't be the same if the villains weren't the Glazers. The classic (laughs) pantomime villains of English football, you know, for 15 years, they've been there, making Manchester United worse. And now, a lot of people give them medals for that, you know, and to be fair, at first, I would have been at the front of the queue to hail them. But we've got to the point where it's no longer funny you know the, the league needs a strong man united you know and and, and they've not got them and, and this descent into chaos is worse and, and when you think about it putting all like all, you know all joking aside they have taken more than a billion pounds out of that club in 15 years in interest payments and uh, and fees to them um you know the debt is is still it's still, what, 500 million? Yeah. 500 million. And, you know, this has been a bad thing for English football. This has never only been a bad thing for Manchester United. So, yes, the Glazers,
1: you are my enemies. Thank you. Sadly, that is all we've got time for this week. Uh, be sure to follow Indie Football on social media to keep up to date with all that is going on. If you're a new listener, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye.